MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is VSIN Prime Time. Live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, here is Tim Murray. Two of VSIN Primetime alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. We're here in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Circus Sportsbook. And hello to all of you on the DK Network who join us for this hour of programming. A lot to get to, including a nice little deep dive on the first divisional round matchup, the Houston Texans visiting the Baltimore Ravens. Later on this hour, we will head to H-Town and talk to Cole Thompson. But right now, let's head to Baltimore, which is the site of Game one of this weekend, 4.30 Eastern, Baltimore hosting the Houston Texans where a point spread has come down just a little bit, down to nine. Your total at DraftKings sitting at 43.5. And And, uh, Jason Lockefora joins us right now, longtime NFL insider and host of Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore from 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Jason, let's get this out of the way. Week one to divisional round weekend, do we crumple it up and throw it out, or is there something to take from Houston's visit to Baltimore way back in early September? I don't think there's much. You know, we've we've poured over this. I went back and rewatched part of the game, um, and I, I just don't think there's a whole lot there. I mean, it was the Ravens' uh, first game with Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator. Um, they weren't pushing the ball downfield at all. They were, you know, Odell Beckham wasn't really healthy. Uh, Ronnie Stanley left the game early with an injury. The whole, the whole tenor of the season changed. At least we thought at the time when J.K. Dobbins was lost to what immediately you could tell was a season-ending injury. Um, you know, Mark Andrews didn't play in that game, and he might play in this one. But you know, so they they had that going on. Marlon Humphrey didn't play. I mean, on the other side. You know, Tunsil was banged up at the time. It's C.J. Stroud's first game in this system. Uh, I I just think you go back, neither team had 270 yards, like, total offense, you know. I think the Ravens were 4.5 a play. Houston was 3.7. 
I just don't think that's the kind of game this is now where you look at these two quarterbacks, and I don't think either one had a touchdown pass in that game. If you look at early down deep shots, you look at first down play action pushing the ball downfield, it's it's Stroud and it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson, since from week 10 to week 17, because he didn't play week 18, he had the most first down play action dropbacks in the NFL. He's throwing over 10 air yards per attempt on his first down passes. He is, with the second half of the season, it's him and Brock Purdy, the two best first down passers in the NFL. That wasn't the Ravens in week one. They were still trying to figure out the run game and how much of Greg Roman stuff is going to work, and then they lose Dobbins. Like, I just think both of these teams, there's been such a such a metamorphosis that I would be shocked if this game is as low scoring as that one. I, I really would. I I just keep waiting. I mean, I did finally at forty three and a half I did start to fire a little bit on the over, but I'm I'm keeping some in my back pocket because I, I think it might come down a little more because people might overreact about, you know, 15, 18 degree weather, whatever it's supposed to be here. The wind doesn't look like it's a problem and the precip doesn't look like it's a problem. I, I think I think the way the Texans throw the ball around will be a little bit of a problem for the Ravens, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, I think the Texans will get way more points than the last time. I think the Texans can score into the mid-20s, and I think the Ravens can score into the 30s. I think it's an over game. So when when you look at the uh, some of the other matchups, Jason, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me when looking over some of the basic numbers was C.J. Stroud versus man coverage is where he's at his worst. Ravens play a higher rate of man coverage. Is, is that something that plays out here? Will Stroud struggle against that? I know you're talking about playing this thing over, but what are some of the things that will be a speed bump for C.J. Stroud after a big win against Cleveland? Well, I mean, it's on the road. I mean, I'm much more – his home road splits I would be much more worried about than the man zone. I mean, when you really drill down – he hasn't been blitzed that much. He hasn't been pressured that much. And and I don't know that Mike McDonald is going to, you know, like go a whole bunch of cover zero here. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Schwartz is playing over 41% of the time. He was playing, man, way higher than he ever has in his career. Um, and he's been calling defenses for a long time. And, you know, they, 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 I mean, it was pitch and catch. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't get too off really in that. I think it's more Stroud in the red zone on the road hasn't been nearly as effective as at home. And Stroud in general, um, they don't finish drives as well on the road as at home. And that's true of a lot of teams, and that's certainly true of a lot of of young passers. Uh, But I think that he'll be fairly fearless here. And you can run the ball on Baltimore, and that's the vulnerability of this defense. But you can also attack him in the seam. Uh, And he's got a wide receiver and a tight end who who are or maybe even two tight ends now after this last game who who I, I think can be problems here uh, for the Ravens uh, if 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 Baltimore jumps out to a huge lead look I still think Stroud can get his in garbage time you know enough to get us over this total but I I think the fact that the Texans' pass defense has major major issues and they're not good against play action and their yards per attempt against them is you know, bottom five in the NFL. And I just don't like their overall efficiency. The EPA of that secondary, I mean, you can stay away from Stingley and find plenty of matchups that you like. And right now, Lamar's a point guard. He's spreading it around to anybody at any given time. It's not like they have to feed a guy. It's kind of like the Jordan Love thing that's going on right now. And I just think that's really hard to defend, and you don't know where the ball's going. And he's got 
uh, you know. And if Andrews comes back, then I mean, now they're running. They got a chance to run way more twelve personnel than we've seen in a while, and do it with two legit move tight ends. So, I, I, boy, I think the Texans have a tough task here defensively. I, I really do. We're talking once again to Jason Lock and Four. You can catch his show weekdays on one hundred five seven The Fan in Baltimore. It is called Inside Access. Uh, Jason. Health-wise, you mentioned Mark Andrews. Where are we? Because I know it was pretty surprising to most, at least from afar, that he had you know hit that window of the possibility of returning last week. And then Zay Flowers was a little bit banged up last week. I know he had is dealing with a calf injury. So from the health standpoint, where are the Ravens heading into uh, Saturday afternoon? They're in. They're in really good health. Kyle Hamilton's back faster than I think anybody could have thought. And look, whether they play Andrews in this game or not remains to be seen. But the fact that and we talked to several people on my radio show today who were at practice, and again, they don't let you watch that much of it. But this wasn't a guy limping around with all kinds of apparatuses on his legs, you know, pulling, dragging one leg behind the other, you know, just trying to be out there for the boys. Like, and and he's he's an animal, man. He's he's going to be fighting to play and. Whether he's up on a pitch count or he's up no restrictions or they decide one more week of practice and rehab is the way to go, um, I'm sure they'll take it down to the wire. You know, either way, Isaiah likely is is more than capable, and Charlie Kohler, you know, has at least looked the part of a competent second tight end. So I, I think, and Zay Flowers, I wouldn't really worry about that at all. I think they're just taking their time there. No, they, they should be, I mean, as healthy as they've been in a long time. And Ronnie Stanley, who's had his share of injury issues, uh, he's looked way better the last couple of games than he did previously. And, and getting, you know, he, he played in Week 18 in bad weather, which shocked me, and held up pretty good. And now he's coming off a bye. So that's the one that we've been kind of watching the most closely because they've been rotating tackles. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think there's signs to point to at least Ronnie Stanley you know, being good to go for not only for this game, but maybe not needing to rotate in and out and maybe not needing as much help on that side, which obviously would allow them to help Morgan Moses more, and he does need help. And I would think uh, both, the, uh, both the Texans pass rushers will take turns trying to get their licks in on Morgan Moses. Jason Lockenfora with us. All right, so we were joking about this earlier, Jason. Does the Bill Belichick interview with the Atlanta Falcons, is that actually him just walking in there and go, you pitch me why I should want to come work for you? I mean, how does this actually <laughs> well, I, work for Bill Belichick? I mean, I don't – look, I mean, it it's something that should have been beneath him, probably maybe still is beneath him, but the bottom line is he clearly wants to coach. He's willing to take any interview, and – well, maybe he wouldn't take an interview with the Titans. I'd, I'd like to think he's above that. Uh, but regardless, this is clearly not beneath him, and whether it ends up being you know, a power move on his part and he's just using them and everybody always wants leverage, you know, or whether he ends up having multiple options like uh, Philly would be interesting with him. You know, I, just, I have a hard time seeing it with, with Dallas. But I could see Philly thinking, "Hey, we we got we could do something fast with him, like maybe." Um, but I, most most places are not going to talk to him. It's not going to make sense for them. It's probably not going to make sense for him either. I I don't think he's got like unlimited uh, opportunity here. I think it's I think the field is is far more constricted than you might think if you just looked at his career win total. Jason, before I let you run, Mike McCarthy hasn't been fired yet. Will he? I think so. 
I just think it's that, that I mean, I Jerry does his own thing. He he you know he can he can take his time and um, he's also the general manager. So it's not like you have to have a whole lot of meetings with other people. It's him and his son, and that's it. I, I just think that to run that back and expect anything to be different would you'd have to be kidding yourself. And Jerry's really good at that, uh, but he's also really good at pointing the finger at other people. And nothing's going to change in personnel. Like he's not, he's not going to give Will McClay full authority and final say on the roster. No, that's Jerry and Steven. So as long as they're picking the players, they think it's a Super Bowl roster. So what must be holding it back must be the coach. And as much as he loves having coaches who are malleable and easy to push around and willing to take all the sort of bullets like Jason Garrett was forever, um, I think he likes having coaches who, frankly, won't challenge him that much and understand their role, and he can be the puppet master and you know the puppeteer, and they're the puppet. Eventually, you got to change it up just because it ain't working, and it ain't working. He is Jason Lockett for a long time, NFL insider and host on Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan there in Baltimore. JLC, always appreciate it, man. Have a good one, gentlemen. Thank you. There he is, Jason Lockett for You know what's good? When you bet against a team and that team starts 9 of 10 from the field and 4 of 5 from 3, TCU up 10 at the first media timeout. Yeah. All right. Speaking of those coaching changes, JVT, let's take a look at some of the Rumors around the NFL. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Outlaw Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's Omaha Steaks, guaranteed. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash you'll get four free air-chilled boneless chilled chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy boneless pork chops with your order. Once again, that website, omahasteaks.com slash B-S-I-N. Minimum purchase may apply. Oh, TCU hit another three. Yes. Hey, man, that's always awesome. That's it... some big news. Yeah? That's some big news. Just came down a few hours ago, but I just saw this. EA Sports College Football, July 12, 2024. Back, baby. Book it. If you, if you want to predict a day of work that I'll miss, <laughs> July 12, 2024. <laughs> uh, what kind of a question is that? Do I have a PS5? Please. Yes. What's the uh, what's the cheapest system that I can purchase? Because I have uh, not, I'm just saying I'm not updated on my uh, my gaming systems. Can you? Uh, it, are they going to make this for PS3 or <laughs> PS? What are we doing? <laughs> oh, PS2. I don't have that anymore. One of the greatest systems ever. If you still have a PS3, I'll buy it off you though. I do have a PS3. Ooh, how much are we talking? I don't even know where it is. All right, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this. <laughs> I've been trying to get my hands on one for a while. Why? Is that like ancient? Uh, it is ancient, but uh, this is going to sound ridiculous considering the news I just broke. NCAA football. Play uh, 2014. I have it. Yeah. I have the 23rd. I think I have 2013. Do you know how much you could... I, I don't know because we're getting up on the date, yeah. but you should, you've been sitting on a gold mine. You could have sold that for multiple hundreds of dollars. Yeah. I played it during COVID. That was, uh, that was my uh, enjoyment there. I dusted off the old... Uh, Dusted it off and uh, got rolling there. But um, all right, so we just hit on it a little bit with Jason Locke and Fora. Uh, let's start from the two situations in the NFC East, JVT, where they still have sitting coaches. No, not Washington. Dallas, Philadelphia, one, both, or none, fire their coach this week. Uh, one, Dallas. Why hasn't it happened yet? I guess Jason just said, eh, there's, there's no rush. It's yeah, not right? like this isn't college football where you it's like you you're racing to get a new coach once your coach is fired, a la Kalen the Boar or Jed Fish to Washington, right. Washington, you know, et cetera. Um you're 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 in this kind of rat race to make sure you secure someone so your players don't leave. It's a whole new world in the NFL. So it is it's interesting to me that it's Tuesday. They lost on Sunday afternoon, so I guess there's there's some time there, but yeah, it's I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But what's what I'm curious about if slash when Dallas ultimately fires McCarthy, which seems like an inevitability, who do they hire? Because it seems like everyone who's got an opinion and has covered the league for a long time says it's not going to be Belichick mm-hmm. because Jerry Jones doesn't want a personality like that. So that would mean it probably won't be a Jim Harbaugh who's going to want say in personnel. And then I'm almost thinking, does that mean it's probably not someone like Vrabel? Like who right now would make sense? But then JVT, I look around, I'm like, is this an organization who hasn't won multiple playoff games in a postseason since 1995? Are they going to go get a coordinator? Are they going to get Ben Johnson, Brian Johnson? Keep going. You know, what about the one on their staff? Dan Quinn? Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's going to be hard to for Dan Quinn because he is reportedly up for uh, the Seahawks job. He's going to interview on Thursday. Um, but if you're Jerry Jones and you want to hire a head coach that is going to have no problem with you doing what you generally do, right? It's going to be one of these coaches, likely a retread, that you're hoping to get the most out of it. it, it Jerry Jones is not going to go get a big personality as you're mentioning because these guys that you're listing off are going to want some form of influence on the way this personnel is selected, whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's Belichick. I don't think he deserves the clout, but he thinks he does. And Mike Rabel, uh, remember, reportedly wanted full control of the Tennessee Titans, wants control reportedly wherever he goes. So I don't know if those really jive. But a coordinator who would be coming in on either a retread or a first-time job would make some sense. And I think a guy who's been there for a while is Dan Quinn, and it would make some sense, some continuity right from that previous staff if you want some of that to stay over. Can you woo him away from what would be a pretty good job connection-wise with Seattle, right? Because he's got the connections with the area and everything like that in the franchise. But I think you're going down that path. I'm, I'm really certain. We saw the market, I put in air quotes, move on any other team for Bill Belichick, right? Uh, on the uh, odds board, like plus 125 for the favorite. I don't think anybody knows anything. I think um, the low limits that you're taking there, uh, they think it probably just took quite a few on that, and we're just like, yeah, let's move him up to the favorite. I don't think he goes to Dallas. I think Lockenfora hit it right that the, the, the pool's a lot shallower for Belichick than we think, and I think for the Dallas Cowboys, it makes sense to get a retread or a first-time guy so, so Jerry Jones can continue to do what he does, which is you know act like an anchor and sink this team every single year. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, It's pretty impressive that – 21 franchises have more playoff wins than the Dallas Cowboys since their last Super Bowl in the 1995 season, January of 1996. So we mentioned Belichick. You saw the tweet yesterday that the Falcons had completed their interview with Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick. We also saw the tweet that the Chargers had interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Now, this has long been kind of the speculation that he's going to go to the Chargers. And as you alluded to, these markets move very, very rapidly to any little news or any bets that come in. And the limits aren't big. And the limits are very small. Chargers now out to minus 150. And essentially, Michigan is even money. After that, it's anybody's guess. Do you think it's NFL or Michigan? basically is what we're boiling it down to. What do you think right now? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think it's the Chargers. I, they, I just think it makes so much sense. Like, they are a ready-made team that seems to – they just need to be molded right in the right way to finally unlock what we've all seen almost every single offseason. You've got a quarterback that's got high upside that hasn't quite lived up to it yet. I think he deserves some criticism for the failings of the teams. You've got a defense that does have good personnel on it, and you've got at least enough that and Belichick excuse me, and Harbaugh is a good enough coach that would you know his style is going to raise the floor of production for any team that he plays on, so or he coaches for. So I think the Chargers are perfect because you're sitting around and going, hey, you know what? The Chiefs are still the Chiefs, kind of, but I don't think the distance between us is really that far, and the AFC looks pretty wide open. We could be a playoff team immediately if we've got the right crew intact, and I think Harbaugh brings that. And I think if you're Jim, I brought this up on the weekend show um, with Pam, Tim, which is, you know, I likened it to Shohei Otani, wherein that everybody kept speculating where Otani was going to go, and people kept saying, oh, New York, he's going to get the money. It's like, no, he can get the money wherever he wants, right? Now it's about personal choice. It's about lifestyle. Where do you want to live? Where do you want to be? And for Harbaugh, I think it's a similar thing in that, like, now it's about – 
making sure that you have the quickest path toward the thing that you don't have yet, right? Super Which Bowl. is the Super Bowl. You almost got there with San Francisco. You know you can get there with a good enough team. Why not go to a team similar to what you talked about with San Francisco that seemed to be ready-made to just get pushed over the edge, and I think the Chargers are that team. Yeah, I mean, think about how many off-seasons, and we're guilty of it at VEASAN, a lot of people other too. You know, you fall in love with the Chargers based off of the talent that's on the roster, and they always fell short, and Jim Harbaugh... The dude wins wherever he goes. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, whether it was San Diego, an FCS program, to Stanford. People forget how terrible Stanford was as a program mm-hmm. when he took that thing over. And when he left, they were you know a top-five team. And, yeah, where they are right now as well. And, you know, it's not like San Francisco was uh, was this monster. So I would agree with, uh, with your thought process. Chargers make a ton of sense. I think Dean Spanos is probably going to be a relatively hands-off uh, owner. I don't think there's it's not a ton of pressure in L.A. No one cares about that team, to be honest. And then Dallas leaves a question mark. So if we say Belichick, if the tea leaves are right, Falcons, where does Vrabel go? Does he ultimately land with a head coaching position right now? Peters, the, uh, the new GM, was interviewed or was... Uh, was uh, introduced today in Washington. Does he want full control? So is there that spot, JBT, where Mike Vrabel, who, by all accounts, pretty good coach, coach of the year just a couple of years ago. Mm. But I think you have your questions. I think I do. Yeah, I mean, and look, right now, of the jobs that are open and of the names that are out there, I'll ask you, would you rather have Ben Johnson or Mike Vrabel? Who am I? I mean, anything. You're, you, you have a team. You have an opening. If I'm Washington, I think I want Ben Johnson. Right. I mean, you look around almost anywhere because I'm getting a, a, the number two quarter, like the number two overall pick. Right. And I, I don't think, I think that there is a very strong reality where when the music stops and the chairs are filled, Mike Vrabel is sitting maybe without a job. Hmm. I mean, because the, the demand of wanting to build your team is a strong one, Tim. And you mentioned it. We're starting to see executive spots getting filled. And are you going to go in where you just got ran off because you reportedly, right? tanked your relationship with the front office in Tennessee because you felt like you didn't have the control that you wanted. And now as you're hiring executives around the league and you're trying to find your head coach, generally your general manager is helping in that process. Are you going to go find the guy who just tanked the previous front office and said, no, I want full control. I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen. So I think what I'm saying is the underdog, but I don't think it's that big of a favorite that he lands with the job. That's Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Tim Murray. D'Amico Ryans, he was a, a hot name last year, and it's proved to be a pretty good hire so far down with the Houston Texans. Texans on the road this weekend. Can they pull off the upset as a nine-point underdog? We head to H-Town next This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray on VSIN, the sports betting network. Keep it rolling here on VSIN Prime Time alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. It is VSIN Prime Time. You know, it's always good when the team you bet against goes about five plus minutes without scoring and then the team you bet on doesn't do anything. So we're on Cincinnati and they're down 26 to 18 right Put now. that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I, I, I'm on Cincinnati. I apologize. But so. I'm pulling for you. All right. Well, let's get to. A gentleman down in Houston, Texas. He joins us here on the program, Just Saying It, on SportsMap Radio. He is based in Houston, as mentioned, covers the Houston Texans. It is Cole Thompson, who has joined us uh, a handful of times here. Cole, as we look at this point spread, 
And uh, quite the impressive performance last week from the Houston Texans to not only win, but dominate the Cleveland Browns. Now you got to go on the road, take on the Baltimore Ravens. A little bit of familiarity, but as we talked to Jason Lockett-Fora earlier this hour, kind of throw out week number one. This team is 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 on a on an ascension here for Houston. Catching nine, what's your early feel of this point spread heading into Saturday afternoon in Baltimore? Vegas, did you watch what happened in the third quarter for Houston? Seriously, at this point, I don't know how you think that nine and a half is even a functional line. This is a team that showed you on all different avenues of how they can win, how a testament they are to be able to create opportunities for themselves. And I thought the really impressive part about this game on Saturday that I was at, it was really interesting how much role players actually factored in the unsung heroes, the guys that we don't talk about in a prominent light. Everyone knows Derek Stingley Jr. because of he was the number three overall pick. He was an All-American at LSU, but it was Steven Nelson coming up with the 82-yard interception and taking it back for six. Brevin Jordan gets the longest touchdown in Texans franchise history for the postseason but that play doesn't occur without a block by Xavier Hutchinson to create a running lane. John Mechie was a number two pick. I mean, was a second round pick out of Alabama. And he had been very hit and miss throughout the regular season. Two big time catches that ultimately lead to scoring opportunities and CJ Stroud making history. And with the bye, I do wonder how healthy is this Baltimore team? How prepared will this Baltimore team be? How much will that momentum carry over? Nine and a half just feels like a bit of a crutch that you're just laying way too much into thinking that Lamar is just going to be able to pulverize this team like he did in week one, which also he had a major turnover in the first half against. So I think one of the interesting aspects of this, right, and it's it's easy and low-hanging fruit, but it's Bobby Slowick, C.J. Stroud versus this Ravens defense. What do you expect here? Some of the numbers would dictate that, hey, against uh, heavy man coverage schemes, Stroud has been uh, worse against them as opposed to zone. He's going to face a lot of man coverage here. How do you think that dynamic plays out? What do you expect from this Texans offense? I probably would say that it would be a lot of dink and dunk to set up the next play. One of the things that Stroud has talked about a lot over the last – three weeks or so is that it's all about setting up for the next play. And if you go back to week one, you got to got to throw that game out the window because it was his first career start. He didn't have his entire offensive line. Three starters were out for that game. He also lost Laramie Tunsil, I believe in the fourth quarter. So he was already going to face a lot of pressure, but he also was trying to extend plays deep. He wanted to go for the highlight grab. He wanted to target a Nico Collins for a gain of 18 rather than a dump pass off to an Andrew Beck to set up the next play. That's no longer the case when it comes to Stroud. He is more than happy just finding a player in the flats to get to second and three, to get to second and four, to set up a third and one, to set up a third and three and give this offense as much opportunity to be able to carve out points. And the real matchup that's going to be interesting is seeing who steps up as the new number three receiver. Nico Collins is going to get his carries, uh, going to get his feed. I think Robert Woods and Dalton Schultz are going to get some targets as well. But now that Noah Brown's on the IR, do you turn to John Mechie, who had a career day on Saturday? Do you lean on Xavier Hutchinson? Does Brevin Jordan, you step up and you run a lot of 12 personnel to where he's kind of a delayed outside target that just creates that opportunity to score points? I think that's going to be the really interesting part. A lot of short to intermediate throws catch the defense slipping a little bit for you to finally be able to go deep downfield to an Eco Collins for maybe a gain of 30 plus. 
We're talking once again to Cole Thompson at Mr. Cole Thompson on Twitter. You catch him on Sports Map Radio, located down there in Houston. Defensively, we know D'Amico Ryan's defensive background. Uh, they did a phenomenal job forcing Joe Flacco to, to make a couple turnovers. We talked about it off air, the back-to-back pick sixes that Flacco threw. The challenge this week, a little bit different. You got Lamar Jackson, who is expected to win league's MVP. What do you expect from this Texans defense to slow down the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday afternoon? I think it's a lot of looking back at the first game and trying to learn from your mistakes. That's kind of what happened with this past matchup. You know, the Texans are not a team that like to roam their uh, roam their corners. They like to play on one side of the field. Well, naturally, that didn't happen this game because Amari Cooper decided to set a Cleveland Brown record on Christmas Eve and basically send the entire Texans fan base home with the sour feeling of defeat right before the holiday season. So this past game, they played a lot of Derek Stingley on Amari Cooper. Result, one catch for a negative gain of six yards and three total targets. He only finished with 50 yards on the day. I think you're going to see the same type of thing, but instead where you will have a spy regarding a guy like Lamar being able to always be on his, on his wagon. Does he go to the left? All right. I go to the left. Do we have somebody that if he starts running, I start running after him. You don't kind of create these open lanes for him to see an opportunity and pick up yards. What you want to do is keep everything in front of you, whether that be having a guy like Christian Harris only be that spy player. He doesn't worry about the running game. He doesn't worry about what happens in the flats. You say to yourself, your job is to guard number eight. He goes this way, you go this way. If he goes left, you go left. Those are going to be the things that I think has to happen in this game just because of you know how slippery, but also how elusive Lamar can be. I mean, there are so many improv plays to where you think he's down behind the line of scrimmage, but then he breaks free and he gets a gain of seven. He gets a gain of nine. He gets a gain of 13. And he uses that speed, but also a little bit of that physicality to push forward. A guy like Harris now playing spy on him, I think would take away that element and then force you to only play one brand of football. So totals right now, 43 and a half. We had Jason Lockford on earlier, as Tim mentioned. It sounded like he was looking over, right, for this one? Yeah, he liked Uh, over. What do you expect in terms of pace, scoring, tempo, and, and this total right now? I would say Houston comes out swinging early like they did against Indianapolis. I think they want to set the tone from the very jump. So it wouldn't shock me to see them run a play action pass, whether that be to a Brevin Jordan or whether that be to a Dalton Schultz or a Nico Collins for a 75 yard gain. And then it all matters about how do you get that first defensive stop? That's really, I think, going to tell the story of this game. If you can force a three and out on Baltimore with what they have offensively with this rushing attack, As a team that has drastically improved on that side of the football, I mean, last year, it was a constant carousel of just mediocrity in the defensive front. If you can go ahead and force a three and out, then I think Houston's going to be able to coast out, get a few points, and then you're going to have to worry about, well, is this where Lamar turns it on? But if Lamar can match Houston on that first play and they are make it 7-7, I believe there's going to be a high-scoring game, 43-and-a-half. I would actually hit the over on this one. I think that you are going to see both teams reach in the 20s. So I would say you're probably looking at more so 48.5, maybe 51.5 is what the end-up result is. Cole Thompson joining us here. You can catch his show on Map Radio, just saying it. Uh, Cole, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about Detroit and just that victory and what it meant for, for, that, pro, for that team You know, there was a a thought process out there that, you know, week 18, when they went on the road, the Houston Texans beat the Colts. All right, that was their playoff victory. There's going to be maybe a letdown, so to speak. They're playing with house money. 
Obviously not the case. They came out and dominated the Browns. What has been the mindset so far? What have the quotes been early this week coming out of Texans camp regarding this opportunity to go on the road and take on the number one seed in the Baltimore Ravens? Well, you guys say house money. What they say is, why not us? You know, CJ Stroud actually said right after the game when he was at Ohio State, they would say it was Woody versus the world. And what it meant was it was always the Buckeyes against everybody else, kind of like Michigan versus everybody this year. And they carried that notion because they wanted everyone to know in the Big Ten, we mean business, and if you think that you can beat us, give us your best shot, but it's going to come up to bite you in the keister. And that's kind of the mentality that they have right now. I, I really feel like that playoff win kind of opened up avenues for Houston to realize As long as we're not the ones making the mistakes, as long as we're the ones that are capitalizing on the opportunities, we're in a really good spot. And so I ask you guys, you watch the way that role players step up and you watch the way that Stroud was able to feel like a 17-year veteran despite going up against a 14-year veteran and you look at the way that the play calling was done, why not Houston? Especially when you know what has happened over the last few years with Baltimore with exceeding hype at the end of the year. Why not Houston? Why can't they march in and actually get an upset? And speaking of which, you also have frigid conditions right now. It is 21 degrees in Houston. Kind of a perfect tone setter when you go into MNT Bank Stadium on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there's no doubt it should be a little chilly. Uh, no precipitation early, uh, early forecasts out there. Hey, Cole, great stuff, man. Appreciate the insight as always. Thanks, guys, so much for having me. Just saying it is his show down there in Houston on Sports Map. Radio. That's Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Tim Murray. We take a look once again at the NBA slate tonight with him. He's our senior NBA analyst. We'll do that next here on VSIN Primetime. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So 
Listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today, and guess what? You get unlimited access to our VSIN.com slash picks page. We got our picks up from the show tonight JVT's plays, my plays. Jim Root joined the show earlier today, his plays as well. I'm also trying to figure out why there wasn't an and one in the Cincinnati game, but I digress. They call and ones in college? Oh, yeah. For more VSIN Pro picks, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. VSIN Primetime. That's this show. We'll give you 10% off an annual subscription when you use the promo code PRIME. That's P-R-I-M-E. Hey, how you doing? It is Beast in Prime Time. Hello to all those on the DK Network. We got some sweats going on right now. TCU and Cincinnati, a play of mine as I laid it with the Bearcats as they trail by 133-32. Final moments of the first half. The Purdue Boilermakers are putting it on their in-state rival right now, Indiana, forty-eight to twenty-nine, with uh, about a half, uh, thirty seconds or so to go in the first half. In that one, uh, Zach Eady has eighteen points and eight rebounds in the first half. I'd say that is a uh, efficient and solid first half. So JBT each and every day, weekday. Say hardwood handicappers. Make sure you check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Short slate tonight. We're underway. Philadelphia and Denver. That one midway through the first quarter. Philly went off as a one and a half point favorite at DraftKings, but not a play from JVT. Two games. Can we note really quick? I'm yes. going to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, an excellent troll job from uh, Michael Malone, head coach of the Denver Nuggets today. Listed all five starters as questionable today. All five played. Um, I think that was probably a small shot at Joel Embiid in the 76ers. Uh, Joel Embiid, of course, famously last year, um, as some people say, ducked the final matchup with uh, Nikola Jokic in Denver when the MVP was up for grabs. But uh, I think a very fine troll job to list every single one of your starters as questionable and then have all five of them play. <laughs> so that game just underway. Uh, Philly uh, with, uh, I believe, an early lead in that one. Yeah, 16-15. Media Timeout. Two games still to come this evening in JVT. You do have action on both of these games. We got Phoenix at DraftKings, a four-point favorite, total of 244. Clippers home to the Thunder, six-point favorite at DraftKings, total of 238. So how are we looking for uh, these two games? Yeah, I I laid it with both teams here. We could start with the, the Clippers. I think situationally it's a very good spot for L.A. tonight against Oklahoma City. Now, it is the third game of four nights for the Thunder, second leg of a back-to-back. You know, the usual uh, nonsense that you get around this time of year when we're talking about the depth of the schedule. Shea Gilders-Alexander also dealing with a small knee injury. He is playing through it, but did have 35 minutes, uh, 35 minutes yesterday against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's also the ninth game in 15 days for OKC. They've been very, very busy, and now they're on this road trip that's just getting started. And I think from a matchup perspective, this is one that just bodes well for the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Got two big body wings that they can't really 
really handle. There's no true defensive matchups for either one of them. The Clippers on the flip side do have multiple defensive options that they can throw at Shea Gilders Alexander. They'll be stopping him, but at the very least, they feel comfortable there. And even without Avisa Zubac, you should be able to out-rebound a team that if there is a weakness and an issue with the Oklahoma City Thunder, it is that they can get bullied on the boards by physical, more physical, bigger teams, and the Clippers can do just that. So I think situationally, matchup-wise, everything works out for the Los Angeles Clippers here. I will say we're nearing the probable peak. Like I think this is probably going to be, outside of like some obvious situations, uh, the last Clippers game that I'm in on, because I think we're nearing the top of the mountain, right? The market price, as I always say, Tim. Mm-hmm. You know, and about this time, you're probably buying pretty high here on the Clippers. You know, I've just been riding this train for a little bit now, so it's worth taking one more shot in a favorable situation. But after today, I think we've kind of reached the highest point of the mountain here. And that we're probably going to start to see the Clippers probably maintain their winning ways, but covers probably won't come by so frequently. But Clippers today, minus six, one of the two plays that I've got. So for those who do not know, JVT is uh, a big Clippers fan, but also a believer in this team. So as we look at the futures market right now, and I know you took some wax just a couple weeks ago when you felt like the market, when you were getting them at the right time, JVT, as we look at the DraftKings market right now, Clippers, the fourth favorite to win the NBA Finals at 9-1. to one. Have we gotten to the point here in mid-January where this number has gotten too low if you have not gotten in on the Clippers yet? Yeah, I think so. So my, my point of contention, my point of resistance was always about double digits. So if they were 10-1 to one or better, I think that that's probably not something... Uh, or excuse me, that's a price right? that's worth investing in for here for the L.A. Clippers. Once you get past that point, once you start to get into the single digits, then it's not really worth it because here's the deal. When you start to take your shots with L.A., right, when they were like, I got them at 30 to 1, and then there's like 25 to 1, 20, 15, you're talking about, right, really solid prices, the buybacks there, and the probability of those prices outweighs the real probability that if this team is healthy, them winning the finals. I, you know, I've talked to a couple of, uh, of basketball handicappers, and I, I, I'm, they're in agreement with me that when healthy, this team – it can be better and power rated better than a Boston Celtics squad. And if they continue to go on this path, then I think rightfully so. They should be a favorite in the Western Conference. Having said that, there is everybody screaming right now, and I think it is obviously a very smart thing to do, is we haven't seen it yet, at least from a health standpoint. Right. And that's why I think once you get past that 10 to 1 point, it's not worth investing in because there is still that inherent risk that I wake up and my wife laughs at me because I'm in tears because Kawhi Leonard got hurt again and right. right and they're gonna miss out on it uh, you know something like that i haven't actually cried but still it's, it's come close it's, it's come got close. close yeah yeah but it, you know what i mean so it's realistic too once you get past nine to one or ten to one that's when i think you pump the brakes and you wait and look there's still ebbs and flows to this season it's only january 16th you know the clippers go on like one five game slump something like that that could eat itself back out to ten to one especially if that coincides with the western conference power make it a pretty big run but right now second best team by odds at least in the Western Conference, and I think rightfully so. So a team that won a championship just a couple of years ago, the Golden State Warriors, last night playing a Memphis team that they were laying seven and a half against. And I know you talked about this on the podcast, that this is a game that you watch very closely. And Memphis wins this one, catching seven and a half at home. JVT, because it's Golden State, are they still getting a little too too much love in in the market can we fade this golden state team on a game to game basis where you know you talked about the clippers maybe tonight being the the final spot where you're laying six you feel like you're getting the clippers a little bit on sale where are we with golden state can we keep fading them at this point i mean i think so as long 
especially they got a bad one coming up here. They're on the road against Utah uh, tomorrow. And the Jazz, for those who have not been paying attention, I think they're 14-4 of four, uh, in their last 18 games, have covered a 13 of those games. Like, they have been absolutely on fire. It's going to be a tough spot to go in and play. But I think you are in the sense that, look, Tim, yesterday, and I think it was more about Memphis than it was about Golden State, but still, they were laying eight, eight and a half yesterday in Memphis. They lost the game outright, and there was a couple times where they led by about six, seven, but they never really started to run away with it. Memphis was in it the whole time, and they did get burned by hot shooting, a very wide free throw discrepancy, and turnovers. Like, those three categories, they got whooped in, and those are going to lead to losses more often than not. And if you play that game 10 times, do the Warriors cover, I think, probably six of them, at the very least? I think so, just given the way that Draymond's back and all that kind of stuff. And now with Draymond back in the fold, this team will probably start to get a little bit better, especially if he can stay on the floor. But I think until this team's fully healthy and you still have these guys, like some of these bench units, playing large minutes with Chris, without Chris Paul, without Gary Payton, and if Andrew Wiggins is going to continue to disappear and Klay Thompson is going to continue to be inconsistent, I do think that this is a team that is worth playing against. And Tim, to this point, it has been. They've only covered 43% of their games this season. They are 6-15-1 against the spread at home. You know, this is not a team that has been worth backing in any way, shape, or form. And even in road games, it's starting to fall off. They were actually really good on the road to start the year. They're now 11-7 and after failing to cover against Memphis. But this has been one of the more overvalued teams in the NBA, especially at home. And I think it continues until they start to get healthy. Make sure you check out Hardwood Handicappers and JVT's write-ups on a daily basis at me, JVT, on Twitter. Mike Sanford is going to join us top of the hour. Long time. Offense coordinator, many stops, including Utah State, where he was Jordan Love's offensive coordinator. We're going to talk to him top of the hour. Also get his perspective on a lot of these coaching changes as well. But, JVT, I have some bad news for you. Ready for it? Mm. Dane Brugler, who is a uh, draft analyst who I think, I don't know if he's the best. He's one of them. He puts in a ton of work. He puts out the beast out there. And what have we been talking about? Anytime you and I get together, we talk about can't wait to – Go under on quarterbacks. That's your move, right? That's yep. your Frank Costanza. Your stop short. Seinfeld reference. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld guy. Oh, I know. JVT, Dane Brugler. Now it's early in the whole process, but he's a guy who's pretty piped in, understands the draft. He only had three quarterbacks in the first round. He had Bo Nix going top of the second round, Michael Penix mid-second round. Mm-hmm. You talked about crying a little bit hearing about a potential Kawhi injury. Does this does this make you tear up a little bit? Dane Brugler saying only three in his mock draft. I think he miscounted. He's got four. He's got J.J. McCarthy going 19. Does he? Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. But still, oh. still, ah. my ballpark is, I'm, I'm telling you, I think four and a half is going to be the number. Oh, that still gets four and you. a half. Oh, good God. So I, I, You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think we'll see what happens. But I'd still, you give me like an alt under. I wasn't. Ooh, under, like alt under two and a half. I'm in. The funny thing is, I wasn't even looking for JJ. I forgot that JJ McCarthy had won't already, won't uh, had already declared. Hey, for those of you watching on DK Network, we keep it rolling. Top of the hour, we're going to talk to Mike Sanford. Jordan Love's former coach. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.